Welcome back to the Focus B Show. This is Katie Stoddart here, aka The Focus B. And on this show, I interview high performers and leaders around the world to discover their secrets on peak performance, productivity, mindfulness, and leadership. So if you want to take your performance and your leadership to the next level, then you're in the right place. Listen up and connect with the magic. Absolutely thrilled to have Timo Gillison on the show. Timo is an entrepreneur and advocate of continuous learning and the co-founder of 15 Seconds, a global movement for personal growth, calling all curious minds to shape their own path and future. He was also named one of the top Forbes 30 under 30. Wonderful to have you here, Timo. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks a lot for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. <laughs> okay, oh, good. I'm glad it's the highlight of your week. It's super nice to catch up. Great to have met you, obviously, at 15 seconds, and we'll touch a bit on that later. But first, I'd love to begin with curiosity. I know that curiosity is one of the core pillars of 15 Seconds Festival, but also of your own personal philosophy. It's something we share. I'm very passionate about curiosity and learning and growth. So I'm so I'm curious, <laughs> how do you ensure that you are constantly learning? How do you nurture your curiosity every day? Yeah, so the, the concept of, of curiosity has kept us busy at, at 15 seconds for for a long time now. I think me, me personally, I think there is so much to learn from everyday situations. So I think a lot of it comes down to your mindset and, and being in a sort of an always at day one mindset. So trying to view things with a beginner's mindset rather than like a know-it-all and I've been there, like trying to see what you can take out for you is something that, that helped me uh, along with doing some, some reflection every once in a while. So looking back and trying to understand what worked and what didn't work and what do you want to learn from from yeah again everyday situations absolutely i think the the beginner's mindset and like you said those reflection thinking back at the end of the day think back at the end of the week i mean i'm a huge advocate of daily planning daily reviewing weekly mm. planning weekly reviewing and i'm also curious because i am very <laughs> curious which is one of the reasons i have a podcast about your own entrepreneurial journey because i know we spoke a bit about this when we met and I know that you started very young, your own entrepreneur journey, which is something I find very impressive. And that you had multiple levels and one thing, then another, then another project. So maybe you could share a bit, what did that look like? What were some of the learnings and pitfalls along the way? So I think the most challenging part of our journey so far was really in the, in the very beginning so we started the company back in 2012. So it's more than 10 years ago. And my my founding partner, Stefan, he had a background in marketing and sales. And I had a background as a graphic designer and, and web developer and a tech enthusiast. Um, and so we figured that this could be a, a great match um, to start a marketing agency. So that was the very initial idea. Uh, 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 uh. Um, but 
the first obstacle that we had to overcome was that we realized after a couple of months after we had started the company that we had no network, basically, no contacts. We had no references, so nobody proving that that we actually had what it takes. And we didn't have any capital. So like after half a year or so, we realized that nobody really cared about what we had what we had to say. And we went back sort of to the drawing board. And a lot of people back then were saying things like, follow your passion or do what you love. And I'm sure many of the, the listeners know the concept of Ikigai. So this is that the big Venn diagram where the thing intersects of what you love and what the world needs and what people are willing to pay for. And we really took our chances with this concept and asked ourselves what that really was. And we were extremely frustrated with the conference landscape in in Austria, especially, but also in the German-speaking region. But we were visiting conferences internationally and seeing what was out there. We figured, why not change that? So we were frustrated with it. It's something that we understand and we love doing. And we also think that people will be willing to pay for it. So we accepted our failure in getting a marketing agency off the ground and sort of did a pivot towards starting a, a conference company. And uh, that immediately led us to our our second. I in, in hindsight, it's not a failure, but it at the time felt like a failure because we said, okay, we want to get a thousand people to Graz, a city that's barely even known. So a lot of the speakers that we interviewed in the beginning and trying to convince them, they said, Graz, where is that? Can you show me on a map where I would be flying to? And um, yeah, the, the idea was to host an, an anti-conference in a way where we would combine sort of the, the magic and the atmosphere of a music festival with a business conference and the, the, the good things about bringing people together, making new connections. And we started pitching the idea to potential sponsors and to the city of Graz and the venue. And we, we got a lot of rejection. So a lot of people told us this is not going to work. Nobody will travel to a city they've never heard of before. You won't find any sponsors because it's the first time uh, people won't pay 500 euros for a ticket. And uh, spoiler, we did make it, but there were two big learnings that we really took from it. The first one is really have the confidence to follow through. So that's that was really, we, we did it not thinking too much about it, but in the sort of uh, review mirror, you see that this was one of the, the biggest attributes or mindsets that we naturally had in us is just just believing in, your, in, in, in yourself or believing in ourselves back then. And number two is just don't care too much about what other people think. So in a way, we we did care about it because it made us want to succeed even more proving a point there and it gave us a little bit more reason of like proving those people that, that would that would say that we weren't gonna make it that we did make it but in the end it's i think it's super crucial to to ignore what people say if you really believe in yourself so beautiful and it's so wonderful that that resilience and it's great to hear it having been at 15 seconds, having spoken there and met everyone and seen how fantastic it is to think, wow, people in the beginning didn't believe in this. And it's always like that. Any great innovation, any great project, any great sort of, there's always a lot of people out there who don't believe it, mostly because of the fear, mostly because they're putting in their own money or their own time and they're not willing to take risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 
in some ways, it's nice that you went through rejection because then if I go through it, which obviously I do, you know, regularly and listening, you know, people listening who also might be having a great idea and founders and going through rejection, I think, oh, it's still possible. Because of course, if your story was, we had this great idea, we looked at our ikigai, we went out there and it worked overnight, then it's not as inspiring. So it's also quite nice looking back <laughs> to think, hey, that was super hard on the moment and it was not nice and annoying and took time, et cetera, et cetera. But now it makes for a real story because this is actually what entrepreneurship is always like. Like, I don't know a single entrepreneur out there who just sort of, boom, you know, started their own business, instantly got lots of money, unless they already had a background in business and marketing and they just shifted it towards mm. it. But mostly people struggle. And then it could be struggle a month, three months, three years, 10 years, like it depends, but it's part of the process. And I, I also think that it's, it's super crucial to imagine the worst possible outcome and to accept that. So I think you, you're having a really hard time in, in like staying resilient. If you, if you didn't accept that if things go south, what's the worst thing that could happen? And most of the time in, in pursuing an entrepreneurial career, you might have saved a little bit of money that you, you put into it. And the worst thing that can happen is that you go back to pursuing a, a corporate career or, or getting yourself a job that you might have quit at the time when you was, you know, you decided to start a business. And is that really uh, such a, such a worst case? It probably isn't because the learnings that you, that you can take away with you from try, from trying it, there's, there's so valuable. So I think that the worst case is really something that, is on the one hand side, it's it's acceptable, and it's also crucial that you accept it in order to to be able to follow through. Yes, yes, it is, and it's something I used to reflect on when I was starting my own business and starting my coaching practice. And now I've shifted more to speaking, but when also do some coaching. But when I started, I remember thinking, well, if this really doesn't work out, I'll just take a job. I just that was exactly. just my very last <laughs> resort. Not because, actually, a lot of people is because they hate so much the idea of being employed, etc. Now I dislike it more and more because I've had the freedom of having my own business for so long. But at the beginning, I didn't hate the idea of being employed that much. It's just I really wanted this to work. I really, really loved coaching. I really, really mm -hmm. wanted to have my own practice, coach people, etc. And so it was more from the passion of making it work and trying everything. And so I always had the back of my mind. I still do. I'm like, if all, you know, hits a fan one day, then whatever, I'll take a job or part-time job, do that for X amount of time, then go back. I have friends who have done it. I mean, it really doesn't matter. You take your entrepreneurial experience, you put it in a full-time job, you do that for X amount of time, and then you go back. Most entrepreneurs Absolutely. go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they really hated entrepreneurship, most entrepreneurs go back. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Do you think we're we're hardwired to be entrepreneurs, or we become them? Oh, I I think I don't have an answer to that one. I, I think it's I I've seen both, like people having an urge to become an entrepreneur and really pursuing this with so much passion that they become great entrepreneurs, and people who just naturally say, "I will go down this road, whatever," and not even starting out your career with taking on a regular job. I think both is equally. Possible. At least that's what, what I've been observing. Yeah, because I never thought of having my own business ever. 
had a very conventional route, went to engineering school, had a job as an engineer. It was only when I discovered coaching that, but well, I really wanted to coach individual back then, less in businesses. Now I do more corporate coaching. But when I began, I really wanted to coach individuals. So the only way really that I could think of was to run my own business. So I sort of fell into entrepreneurship, but then I loved it. <laughs> I loved the creativity. <laughs> I loved the the risk management. I actually, in some ways, I loved the struggle that it wasn't mm. just every day the same, that it wasn't just, you know, apply this one formula and it will always work. You have to constantly innovate. You have to constantly learn. You get to practice what you learn. You learn about stuff through a podcast or a book, and then you get to put it in practice. Yes. So I sort of gradually fell in love with entrepreneurship, but it wasn't something that, you know, when I was 10, I wasn't selling candy on the sweet street and, you know, a born entrepreneur. I don't think so. I think you have to like solving problems for a living. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we, Even if they're your own problems. <laughs> On a recent interview with Asmara, we said that being an entrepreneur is just constantly inventing stuff. Mm. It's true. That's true. Yeah. It's true. So, how do you constantly innovate? Because, okay, you had this great idea 15 seconds. At one point, it kicked off. Amazing. But then you need to continue innovating. Then you need to deal things like COVID. We won't go into that, but obviously, that's a challenging one. And there's a constant need for innovation in business. You can't constantly do the same thing. So, how do you make sure that you're innovating as you progress so i've i've also worked in the design industry for a little more than than six years and i think there are there's a lot of great insights that you can take from a designer's perspective or, or the practice of design in general because i think it's extremely effective to to try to innovate along a user journey so trying to do uh, as much as possible in putting yourself in the shoes of your stakeholders, be it your customers, your users, whoever you addressing with your with your product or service, and really trying to visualize step by step what happens from the minute they interact for the very first time. They haven't bought your product or service yet, but they they see something that you put out there in the world to the to the point in time where they where they might sort of exit as a as a customer so really the whole life cycle and you you really want to look at it in a way where you want to engineer each point each step along the way to the maximum and try to improve it and i i think that is that is definitely something as a sort of a takeaway the design thinking method and visualizing a, a user journey and i think the second thing that at least i learned along the way is that the prototyping and testing something as early as possible really makes it a lot easier to understand your your users and the pains that are that are being solved with your product or service um so whether you're building a digital product or whether you have something else in mind try to think of the the minimum version that's enough to just talk about it or even put it in front of users screens to get feedback early on and that is um, something that we try to do as much as possible both emphasizing the user as much as possible and just trial and error as much as possible this is something i really believe in the progress over perfection just get it out there mm. and then improve get it out there the very first podcast episode i didn't even have a mic i literally just had like a headset and I was like, oh, after a few episodes, maybe I should buy a mic. But you gradually improve quite quickly, but at least you start. I had the idea and I started, I think, two weeks later. And I think that some people, there was this woman I spoke to and she said, oh, I've been wanting to start a podcast for years. I'm like, well, start. <laughs> mm. 
Hey, bye, mate. You can begin with that and then get a couple of softwares and start recording. And so I totally believe in this idea of proactivity and constant improvement versus trying to make it all perfect first. And one of the core reasons why this is so important, first of all, it gets you started. But it's also, like you said, get your product or service out there, get the feedback. Because if you spend two years locked in a room trying to develop this perfect product or perfect app or perfect service, and then you go out there and they say, well, actually, we really don't need that, then you've wasted... It's a waste of time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But it can be tricky sometimes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes this depends on the personality a lot. So probably you and I have a similar personality in the sense of just get going and get it out there. But some people do like this perfectionism and do feel a little safer if they have things done perfectly before. So it's tricky. What do you feel are some of the things that have helped you on your journey to develop this inner resilience and perseverance and also proactivity? What do you think has helped you to actually do all that? I think overcoming the first sort of challenge of accepting that it's not perfect is is actually the hardest because once you're used to it, that it's actually not a big catastrophe. If people see something that's not built to perfection, I think that's that's the, the most challenging part. Once you're over the first hurdle, it was easier easier to accept and it's it's still every day when we have a an, an idea for let's say a new marketing campaign we ask ourselves what is the the, the minimum version of it and to try to just test it and, and and get the results back and when it didn't work it's it's okay and if it has some traction we just try to improve it and make it a little bit more perfect and, and iterate and take it from there love that so good i mean I also need it as a reminder because even though I'm proactive and I get things out there fast, there are obviously other things where I struggle a bit more or I want to make it nice beforehand or I overthink maybe sometimes. So I like this idea of just get it out there, get feedback, try again. And it's really, I think, totally shifting your own perspective on failure. So not viewing failure as ultimate, (laughs) but literally Mm. just as a stepping stone. Hey, that didn't work. But that doesn't mean that overall the marketing campaign isn't going to work. It's just that first phase, that iteration one didn't work. Having that experimental mindset. I think it's really closely related to the sort of the, the beginner's mindset and the fact that I think in, in, in our European culture, failure is, is really seen as something bad. Whether if you look at in the, in the North American region, failure is seen something, oh, okay, this person has already done it. He knows what not to do or she. So that's something that where we still have so much work to do in terms of the societal uh, acceptance of failure as a concept is a, is a great thing to actually learn. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I train myself to learn this all the time. As soon as an episode doesn't do as well or post doesn't do as well, I still have it's in my case, it's a sort of good student syndrome. So as a student, I I love school. I know it's very different from your own journey, but I think actually people who didn't like school make better entrepreneurs. (laughs) So I think it goes against me, Uh, but I love school and I would validate a day if it was a good day or bad day, depending on if I had good grade or bad grade. This is very like mm. French school system. And so this is like hardwired in my DNA, like from the age of six or seven. It was like good day, good bad grades, bad day, bad grades. And so therefore, if a post doesn't do well or, or whatever it is, or a client says no, or all these things, right? Entrepreneurship, it's it's loads of no's and rejection all the time. And then some yes and success also. Every time it's like, okay, 
this isn't ultimate failure. It's just that didn't work. What can we learn from it? And it's like a constant rewiring of, in my mind, it was, well, when I was a student, it was it was always a big drama if I had a bad grade, which is quite sad, but there we go. <laughs> I should have learned I, about failure when I was, you know, 12. <laughs> I, I think what's fascinating is that it's, it's even, you just mentioned that at the age of, of six when you were in school, I think it starts way earlier. We're actually hardwired the right way because if you look at at how how babies learn to walk, this is the greatest failure story ever because they they try and they fall and they stand up again or or at least they they try to and they they try to figure it out over the course of many many weeks and months probably until they they figure it out and not once would they would they um, ask themselves. What do other people think of me while I try to learn to walk? It's just it comes natural, and or the, the curiosity to 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 evolve. I think uh, that's something that's fundamentally flawed in our in our school system. That uh, it's they're, they're trying to to address this with a with a silver bullet, and it's it, it just doesn't work. And yeah, I I think it, it's really something that we have to address as a society. Not to to dewire our children <laughs> with something that they have in them deep down. Yes, and like you said, biologically we're actually wired to be able to manage failure quite well. Mm-hmm. I love the the walking example, and I definitely think school is done in a way that's way too binary: good, bad, good student, bad student, this, that. Now that I look back on school, I can see a lot of its flaws, and I feel that. If we shift this perspective of failure, then it does make our life a little easier because then we mm-hmm. don't think things so much at heart and we don't get so emotionally upset and we're able to bounce back. I think there, there are two ways. Some people think, okay, you just feel every failure and it really hurts and then you push back up, etc. Or you just don't see it as a failure. <laughs> and then you don't have to go through all the emotional journey. You just think, oh, this was an experiment. Didn't go as planned. Learned, just like you said with the marketing campaign next 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 so it's having this constant improvement mindset which is what as we said at the beginning learning constant improvement curiosity that's what life is all about that's what makes it enjoyable also we're not robots that if we had like success after success i mean how boring would be your story if you said oh i had this great idea with my friend stefan start 15 seconds boom we did it the following month it was great that's a boring story <laughs> what a bit of a journey right yeah I, I think there's a great piece on the on exactly that, that topic of how the education system is actually flawed. It's from Sir Ken Robinson. I don't know if you're if you've heard of him. And I think he explains it in a beautiful way. Like that school systems today, they're they're still still trying to meet the future by doing what worked in the past. And so that, that is usually the concept of if you go to school and you work hard and you did well, you get a, a college degree and you would you would be able to to make a good living. And I, I think that's just a proof um, and also something that he emphasizes that it was our education system was designed for a different age. So the economic circumstances at the time when our school system was designed, they were they, they couldn't be more different from, from what our reality is today. And schools are, are still like factory lines. So batches of age groups, like with the assumption that the most important thing that they have in common in this age group is how old they are. <laughs> that's that's yeah that's just flawed by design and i think it is the, school school is a fascinating co- concept because Sir Kim robinson's great his ted talk is great 
But also, I really meant it earlier when I said that I think that bad students have better material to be good entrepreneurs. Doesn't mean they all become great entrepreneurs, but it's because they're rejecting the status mm. quo. They're rebelling against the system. They think differently. They're creative. They're not looking to fit into a mold. So guess what? They have new ideas. They think of things that other people haven't seen. Everyone else is just like following the trend. Do, do, do. Mm. And then some someone comes along and thinks, wait a minute, why don't we do it this way instead? And so they're more innovative. They're more curious. They're more creative. And I've definitely seen that the, the good student side of me had you know, some good aspect, bad aspect. The the good aspect is I did learn a lot of discipline, hardworking, memory, blah, 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 all that stuff. But the the bad side was constantly seeking that validation, that approval from the outside, basing my own self-esteem on achievements. I did a lot of uh, self-coaching on this to not constantly feel like a failure as soon as I didn't reach one of my achievements. Being overly achievement-driven also is very linked to grades. And so there's just a lot of things like this. And God knows we could talk about school forever. But just to finish off today's interview, because it's already flown by, what's the future for you like in terms of 15 seconds? Such a wonderful uh, conference. So I'd love to finish on a note because I know it's all about shaping your future. So I'd love to hear what's the future have in hold for 15 seconds and for you. Yeah, good good question. We're actually we started this summer to work on on a new product. We hope to be able to launch it next year. And it's got something to do with personal growth specifically for teams. So we want to help organizations learn emotional skills. So that's something that we're pursuing. I cannot talk about it that much yet because I, I don't want to take away um, too much of the surprise, but this is something that keeps me busy and keeps our team busy at the moment. And obviously, next year, we have our 10th anniversary. So the 10th edition of 15 Seconds Festival happening in June. So go check out 15seconds.com and what we have in, in store for next year's festival. And I'd love to see lots of the audience in, in Austria and Graz. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Timo, for being on the show. It was amazing to hear your own entrepreneurial journey, what's happening with 15 seconds, debate about school. I think it's a very interesting topic. And thank you so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me here. You had a great time. <laughs> Look forward to, to further episodes of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today to The Focus Bee Show. I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. So let me know in an Apple review or YouTube comment what was most valuable for you. And feel free to share this episode with a friend or a family member. Wishing you a wonderful, magical and focused day ahead.